Mark 1. Conversations at the speed of sound. Ladies and gentlemen, engines start in five minutes. Engines start in five minutes. The voice there of QAM volunteer Peter Harrington, emceeing the Engines Alive event at the Queensland Air Museum on Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022. Hello and welcome to this very engine episode of Mac One, the podcast of the Queensland Air Museum, Caloundra. My name is Gary Hills, and in this episode you're going to hear Peter's voice, as well as the voice of Dennis Bugani, who currently heads up the QAM engine shop, And, of course, you're going to hear the voices of some of the engines themselves as they roar and sputter into life. Engines Alive events are very popular with the public, and I'm pleased to be able to say that we are planning a couple more of them throughout 2022 as COVID restrictions permit. One Saturday in April and one in September. So keep an eye on the QAM website for dates and details as they are firmed up. That's qam.com.au Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Queensland Air Museum first engine run of the year. Now, Peter Harrington joined the engines team at the Queensland Air Museum in around 2008. But about six years ago, he transferred across to the restoration team on our Lockheed Neptune A89277. We have an episode planned on the Neptune restoration project coming soon. Another fascinating project on another amazing aircraft. On the PA, Peter went on to give the safety briefing. What we're going to do today is run some old aircraft engines, some old, some very old. But there's a few details I've got to give you first. What we're going to do today is not inherently dangerous. All over the world people are starting aircraft engines for various reasons. Fly aeroplanes, performance assessment, routine maintenance and all sorts of things. But there's a couple of safety things I want to bring to your attention. As I'm sure you'll appreciate, it is best practice for us to take all reasonable measures to ensure that your visit to the museum is a happy and safe experience. As Peter said, starting an engine is not inherently dangerous, but the engine guys demonstrated an abundance of diligence and caution on the day. You know, these historic engines with their noise and smoke, they're very impressive. And people of all ages tend to burst into a round of spontaneous applause after each one is run and shut down. You're going to hear that in a minute. I don't know, it just feels like you have experienced something rare and interesting and you want to applaud. Maybe also it's an acknowledgement of the work of the volunteers in the engine shop, all their work and expertise that's gone into restoring and displaying these aspects of Australia's aviation heritage. Back now to Peter, who gave an excellent introduction to each engine prior to starting and running that engine, just for a few minutes each, such as this one, the Franklin 335, 
you'll hear that there was a brief siren sounded before each startup. Again, just a safety measure. Those of you who have watched the program MASH will be familiar with a particular helicopter that was used to fly the casualties back to the MASH. This engine, which is made by the Franklin Engine Company, was the engine that powered that particular helicopter. It's a Franklin six-cylinder opposed air-cooled engine and it's mounted vertically for helicopter applications and it was manufactured in the 1940s. It was used to power the Bell 47G helicopter, which you see in MASH, which first flew in December 1945. It's good for about 200 horsepower. It's a 335 cubic inch or 5.4 litre displacement engine and considered by Franklin owners to be temperamental, prone to oil leaks and usually difficult to start. Owners claim to have spent time, effort and money to solve oil leaks without satisfactory results, only to see the leak unexpectedly cease and the new leaks appear somewhere else. <laughs> Alright, let's see how it goes this time. This went on for quite a while, but you know, it builds tension and anticipation in the audience. Maybe the engine guys do it on purpose. <laughs> that got everyone's attention, and it signalled that things were about to happen. That's old engines for you. Having said it was easy to start, it decided to do its own thing. Now, I spoke with Dennis Bugani after the event about some of the engines and what goes on each week at the QAM engine shop. And he started by describing his background and his involvement with the QAM and then went on to describe the Gypsy Major engine, which was run on the day. So I'm standing in the uh, QAM workshop at the moment with uh, Dennis Bigani. Give us a quick, quick uh, sketch of how you got to be here. Uh, well, I was just uh, a licensed engineer, fixed wing, rotary wing, piston and turbine for uh, 
I think about 49 years, I think, I ended up. I was, the first, I was an apprentice with Qantas for five years initially. And then um, later on, of course, went into um, uh, commercial helicopter flying. Um, and then uh, after uh, extensive illness, my wife taught me into uh, what skills and brain matter I had left. She said, uh, why don't you go down to the museum and, and try and keep some of it going. And uh, presently we've got uh, eight engines in stands that, that run. And then we have um, three aircraft engines that are in aircraft that run as well. So we're standing here with the Gypsy Major. This is a, an iconic bit of machinery, isn't it? This was uh, very widespread and uh, used for many, many years. Can you give us a quick rundown of uh, the Gypsy Major? Uh, yeah, sure. The, the Gypsy Major was from a, a UK and European point of view was probably the most used light aircraft engine. Um, Tiger Moths, um, uh, Taylor craft, all the light aircraft usually had uh, gypsy majors in them. Uh, and out here there was, uh, if, if not thousands, certainly hundreds of them out here in, in, uh, in various aircraft. Uh, built in the 30s, 40s and into the 50s. And fact, I believe this one was put together in Australia. Yes, indeed. Um, they decided to build them here, uh, partly in, in response to the... Um, Australian design and built uh, de Havilland Drover that was built out here to the Flying Doctor Service to replace the uh, Dragon Rapide and they decided to build them out here. Only problem they had was that when they got the engine out here it was all in metric, uh, unusually coming from the UK. But the Gypsy Major was basically uh, uh, an offspin of a French engine. So they had to get the English engineers to come out and do new drawings for the Australian engineers uh, into Imperial back in that time, this is in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, and then it was redesigned into Imperial dimensions uh, and built by General Motors Holden down in Melbourne. Um, I'm going to say somewhere around 1300 might have been built uh, here locally. And in fact, our, our one here, which we've only had running for um, a couple of months, uh, was actually built out of two engines, uh, both in not so good a shape and we ended up building one out of all the best parts and uh, got it running which is great and it turns out that this one is an Australian built one and the remnants left over we built another engine good enough to put into the nose of the drover, the, the Avalon drover that we're doing up and uh, just so people can see what they look like in the airframe. Beautiful engine though, uh, no starter on this, it's hand start uh, but absolutely beautiful motors for their time runs very smoothly. So here is the Gypsy Major startup. As Dennis just mentioned, it is a hand-started engine, so you won't hear any starter motor before it fires. A tall, somewhat well-built volunteer comes forward and swings the prop to get it started.
I noticed that the, the aero engines that are not in airframes obviously have to be mounted somehow and it has to be safe and it has to be robust and portable. So uh, it, this is on a very impressive looking stand on, on wheels and uh, how did, do you guys build these? Yes, we have and we, we have sort of looked at the stands as being part, part of the display of the engine. The, the engine's done up and looks good for sure, but we've also gone to making stands that were practical, safe and uh, and also easily moved with a, their own steering arrangement. Um, you know, fuel and oil tanks, all that, so that the whole thing looks... Um, it's, it's an old engine for sure, but it's in a modern frame and uh, we think they look pretty good. And you rig up a control panel and everything on the stand as part of it? Yeah, um, yeah that's it. We've got to make uh, instrument panels and fit instruments and throttles and uh, fuel systems, uh, all, all that. In fact, once you get the engine finished and you start on the stand and you've got the stand finished, uh, you've still got a couple of months' work just fitting everything out, uh, rigging up, th making and rigging throttles, um, uh, hooking up instruments and... Uh, so forth. So yeah, quite quite a bit of work, and I think the gypsy uh, two people, uh, well probably three sometimes. Uh, it's probably been 18 months project. Okay. Okay. Now, if there's somebody listening who's not, they're not an aero engineer, right, uh, or they're not an engineer of any kind, but they want to come and help out in the workshop, but they're good with metalwork or they're good with uh, you know with tools. Uh, would there be work for them here, you know, manufacturing stands and doing all of the kind of things you're doing? Well, we, we, we have a couple of good welders and um, fabricators. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, we're, we're always looking for people here, particularly people that have had some um, skills in tools or whatever, steelwork, aluminium, sheet metal. Uh, yeah, always looking for volunteers. Okay, so they could contact the Queensland Air Museum through our website and if they wanted to talk to somebody about volunteering here a couple of days a week, one day a week, whatever suits them, we'd be very happy to hear from them. Uh, let's move on to another engine. Okay, we've got a Franklin uh, 335 helicopter engine uh, built in the 40s and 50s, uh, almost into the 60s when uh, Poland kept bringing, Poland kept building them for a little while. Uh, this was a running engine before but it was in pretty sad shape and a, a, a not so good frame so uh, probably did two years work in this one to do it up and uh, runs beautifully. Um, the Franklin was um, it's a six cylinder horizontally opposed and then it was bought out by another company that they put them into trucks and uh, also made them water cooled. Used in aeroplanes as well. Um, but the main thing with all the early Bell 47s, um, uh, as in the MASH helicopters, I tell everyone, they know what I mean, this was the engine in the early Bell 47s um, and still used, they're still around today, and still buy parts from, um, and uh, a very good engine. Light came in, came along in America and created a, a bigger, better engine, which in later 47s and um, Hiller helicopters, uh, they went to the to the light coming and these sort of got left behind a little bit. But again, beautiful engine. The Continental, what have we got here? Okay, we've got a Continental IO520B. It's a very common general, air, uh, general aircraft engine. Um, Cessna, um, Beechcraft and uh, single and twin engine aircraft. Very common engine, uh, six cylinder, air cooled. Um, um, a, uh, it's an injected engine as well, 
very, very common. And still are. This one was this one was rebuilt with a little bit of help from an overhaul shop, and it's pretty much back to original condition, uh, other than the fact that it's not certified and it never will be, of course. Uh, again, runs well, beautiful engine, and it's uh, it's an iconic present-day engine to this day. They still make these uh, engines, and uh, we, we actually have some aircraft on the uh, on the lot here that actually have these in it. Continental was the the two main companies were Lycoming and Continental, and they're always in competition with each other. And so you'll find both Continental and Lycoming engines in um, fixed wing wise. You'll find them in, in everything. Yeah. So even today in, in a Beechcraft or a Cessna you might find a Continental? The exact same engine as you're looking at. The exact one? Yep, exact same engine. Yep. Yeah, it come up quite nicely this one. And that's the Continental colours, that's how they look in the airframe. Exactly. It's a classic one. Okay, we've got a Continental uh, W670 uh, radial engine built in the States. Um, extremely popular engine, probably one of the most uh, built engines over there because they used them in uh, a lot of the training aircraft over in the States uh, mid 30s to the end of the Second World War. I built thousands of them. The most common use was in the uh, uh, the Boeing Stearman which was the primary US uh, military trainer for uh, probably 10 years and the Stearmans I think uh, built somewhere between 10 and 15,000 so uh, also they did use them in some military vehicles and tanks and also some um, landing barge uh, vehicles. Um, a seven cylinder, a little bit, little bit tricky starting but uh, they're a beautiful engine and it was the go-to engine for a lot, a lot of things actually and uh, you look at the list of what it was used in and it's, it's quite mind-boggling actually. Uh, and when this was donated to the museum was it in running condition? Uh, no, no it wasn't. No, it, it had to be restored here and it's actually in the in the works of probably this year to start a restoration work on the stand and the engine and, we, and we'll do it up and uh, new instrument panels and fuel and oil tanks and all that sort of thing. Um, a bit of a uh, radial engines are bits of oil, oil burners, so uh, in fact, yeah, they, they leak a bit of oil, but that's the way they are. And I think we saw when it did start up, it, it took a little while, but once it started up, there was a little bit of oil being spread around about the place, not just uh, burning, but uh, being uh, ejected. Yeah, no, that's right. With radial engines, um, normally they get, they get hot, what they call hydraulic in radial engines, where the bottom cylinders fill up with oil. They don't fill up, they get enough oil there to extinguish the plugs and they cause a bit of compression there and the, the starter motor will have trouble turning over past there. So normally what would happen, you'll see it on the big aircraft where you've got the big prop, you'll have the guys walking around backwards with the props to turn them over. That's to get rid of any oil in the bottom cylinders. And a new practice we've got with this one now is to remove uh, two of the plugs, two bottom cylinder plugs, uh, keeping in mind that all the aircraft engines have got two plugs per cylinder as a dual ignition. Uh, and they're separate systems. And then we'll, we'll just turn over on the starter, put the plugs back in, they're good to go. Because this is only a cut down prop on this, it, you can't really get the leverage to turn it over. So we just pull the plugs out, turn it over, put them back in again, and then uh, good to go. But uh, this particular one, uh, we've got a beautiful old uh, ma uh, antique maintenance stand, and we're gonna keep that, retain that, and do it up. 
and then we'll just do a new frame in the bottom. It's a bit better and better wheels and, and new instrument panel and all that, and we'll sandblast the engine and paint it up and because uh, it, it, it really deserves pride of place. This one, it's, it's a it's a beautiful engine. Yeah. The 670 is quite something to watch and hear. Such a big lump of an engine, loud, oily, and smoky. It's a real crowd pleaser. Dennis, it's been a pleasure to, to listen to you. Thank you for that. Uh, there's a lot of people listening who may or may not be engineers, but who are just interested in aviation, and this is a, such a big part of the story that I uh, appreciate uh, you spending some time. The final engine of the day to run was the Pratt & Whitney nine-cylinder radial engine in the Broussard mounted in the airframe. I've put a video of that engine start on the Facebook page for the Queensland Air Museum. If you'd like to see that video, you can go there anytime from today onwards. So that's our episode. This has been just an introduction to one of the many things that go on at the Queensland Air Museum Caloundra, preserving Australia's aviation heritage. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye on our website for updates about another Engines Alive Day, one in April, one in September of 2022. I'll go now, but if you have two more minutes to spare, hang around and we'll go out with the throaty, growly Gypsy Queen, introduced again by Peter Harrington. The W670 is another de Havilland product, and it's the Havilland Gypsy Queen Series 70 Mark II. It used to be known as the Drama Queen because it was very temperamental, sometimes difficult to start, and that really is due to its age. It's an upside-down six-cylinder, ten-litre engine used to power a number of aeroplanes, um, one of which was the de Havilland Dove, an example of which we have in this hangar right behind you. And the last time the engine ran, it ran all right. So keep your fingers crossed.
That's a good example of an upside down engine starting, plenty of smoke. <laughs>